You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Maria Alberg, the CFO at Quinix. So you need to like be active in customer uh, discussions to understand like what's the customer view of this as well. So you can't just sit hide in your in your corner. Welcome to another episode of the Sassiest Podcast, and we hope you are well today and uh, that you are ready to uh, get to know a little bit more about the CFO role. Yes, and also we'd love to hear, like we, we just recently had our 100th episode and now we're, we're continuing at, at the same pace, if not even faster. We'd love to hear from you and like let us know what you think about these episodes and the guests and the topics that we discuss. Or if you have any other ideas, like we, we do this together with you guys. Yeah, and what do you think about the pink color? The pink color. Because as you might have seen, we have actually transitioned from uh, the old silver helmet on the black background and the SAS Nordic brand. And now we are just sassiest, like the event, like the networks, like everything else we're doing. And you are now in the sassiest podcast if you haven't seen it before. Right. I mean, it's it's almost as big as Twitter going to X. We went from SAS Nordic to sassiest. Yeah, definitely. And something also that uh, is big and that is uh, coming Sooner than later is the upcoming SASIS Digital right. 2023 event. And we have a fantastic lineup, So uh, and it's free to join. So you shouldn't miss it for the world. And uh, if you have registered, you can also access all the recordings later on. So just head over to SASISDigital2023.com and sign up today. Yes, please do it. But right now, we're going to jump into the world of the CFOs. Let's see what we will find out in this conversation. Here we go. Today, we are super happy to have Marie Alberg, the CFO at Queenix, here as a guest in the Sassiest Podcast. So welcome, Marie. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. We're so excited to have you here. And for the ones that might not know Marie, like how would you introduce yourself? Uh, Marie Alberg. Uh, uh, I am born in Kalskoga in Sweden. I'm living in Stockholm together with my husband and two daughters. Um, I have professionally I have a background in M A and spent some seven years in corporate finance, so both in Stockholm and a few years in in London as well. Uh, I first started my CFO journey back in two thousand fourteen, um, and back then it was at a Verdane-backed uh, startup company called Cool Company. Mm-hmm. And since five years back, I'm the CFO at Quinix. So h- how do you go working from investment banking and M&A advisors to become a practitioner? Is that is that the normal step? My, my, my take is that normal people go the other way, or maybe not. I think like a few of ours, like I, I have a few colleagues that did exactly the same, going from like a corporate finance or um, like transaction services, so more doing financial due diligence into a CFO role. So um, by far not alone. Uh, but of course, you can go the other ways around uh, and kind of start in... Um, in the industry and then going into maybe like investment and uh, a PE house or so as well. All right. Gotcha. But uh, tell us more about Quinix. What do you guys do? 
So I think Quinix has been on this show before, but, yes. but happy to <laughs> happy to repeat but it. Maybe someone missed the episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Quinix is an AI-powered workforce management solution, and we are helping uh, typically labor-intense uh, businesses to to primarily manage, but also to engage with their workforce, uh, and also to optimize their business. Um, and the Quinix system kind of combines a very powerful planning and forecasting feature with uh, communication and interaction for both uh, employees and uh, the employer. Um, and today we have over 1,000 customers uh, all over the world. Um, we have offices in, in nine countries. So uh, here in Stockholm, where we have the head office, but also the other Nordic countries, uh, UK, Netherlands, Germany, um, quite a big presence in the US uh, and also Australia. Um, but we, uh, the, the system itself is implemented in over uh, 40 countries worldwide. Okay, wow. And is there something in particular that you would say characterizes these thousand customers? Is there a certain type of size that they need to be or have a certain type of workforce for this to make meaningful sense? No, yeah, sure. Um, so we are we are targeting the mid and enterprise segments, um, and customers are typically, I mean, having a large proportion of blue collar workers. We typically refer to them as the frontline workers. Uh, so they are retail is a is a big segment for us. Yeah. And as as you might know, we started off as the first solution for uh, McDonald's in Sweden. So that's uh, a great story. Yes, it is indeed. So restaurants and hotels are still um, an important segment for us. Uh, we also doing some warehousing and logistics and um, some facility management as well. All right, gotcha. Now we're curious to get an update on your numbers to to understand a little bit about the, the size of our operation. And uh, and since you're the CFO, we know that you got this uh, straight down. So uh, where are you when it comes to your ARR and, and growth, for instance? Yeah, I'm, uh, I I do indeed like numbers, but yeah, we are around four to five million euros in ARR and growing at around forty uh, percent. Okay, are you also profitable? Uh, we will be in Q4. Oh, wow. So like uh, many other SaaS companies, we are like tilting over to uh, focus more and more on profitability. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you already mentioned uh, something here about the customers and markets, but how many employees are you? So we're currently 340. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what is it? How do you finance this operation? Are you venture backed or? Yes. So we have um, in in, um, in particular two main investors. So that is Alvian and Didriksson. That's a Swedish uh, investment company. It's been with us since 2014. Uh, and also Battery, uh, Battery Ventures, uh, a US investor. And I think they've been with us since 2016. So been with the business and backed us for, for a long time. All right. And how, how much have you raised in total? So in total, around 100 million USD, uh, of which like 50%, so 50 million USD back in October, November 2021. Uh, So that was a a great timing. of Perfect timing. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but what does that mean? Was that a serious B or something or? Yes, I would say it's a C. uh, It's a C. Like depending on how you uh, define it, but yes. Okay. It's a C here in Europe, at least. <laughs> so, um, how much of the company do you own, or is owned by the employees and such? So, uh, 
Myself, I have a smaller stake uh, in the company. We are around two thirds of the cap table is VC, uh, and around one third is uh, the founder, management, and employees. And quite a lot of Quinixers are actually shareholders. Uh, so uh, together, employees are around one third uh, of the company. Okay. All right. That's a healthy bit, I would say. Yeah, definitely. At this stage, I'd say so. That's great. And there's a couple of things we want to dig into with you here, Marie, today. One of the topics that has been discussed a little bit in our forums is the role of the CFO and actually how that evolves throughout the lifetime or if you made the growth journey of the SaaS company. So like, what, what's your take on this? Like, you, You've obviously had a lot of experience here, worked for a few different companies. Like, What is the role in the different stages of, of a CFO? And when do you need it to start with? <laughs> Okay, so starting with Thomas' question, when do you need a CFO? I think it's, I would love to have like a clear answer and saying like that's when you hit 5 million in error or two years in, I don't know. But but I think like you have to rather look at the whole management team and see like what, what skill sets and competences you have in there and like where you have a gap. Um, and maybe not so focus so much on where you are today, but maybe look like two to three years into into the future and see like what, what's your need then. It takes some time to recruit and onboard people. And if you are growing fast, you will quite soon. I mean, it might be sooner than you think that you already have to start this. Uh, but I would say it's that typically it will be somewhere when you already found your, your product market fit. Um, in the beginning, I think you can do with um, an accountant who's taking care of your kind of accounting, your compliance, making sure your VAT returns are uh, on time. Um, but but when you are more setting yourself up for for growth, I think that's kind of like when you would maybe need to start looking into uh, having a CFO instead. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, but would you say that there is normally, from what you've seen in your experience, like? Uh, when you start raising, you know, after your seed round, people are expecting you to have a CFO or you can still manage with uh, the really powerful accountant. Like that could be like one of the uh, the tasks the CFO starts with is to like to make sure you make the, C, uh, the seed funding as well. Yeah. Uh, but I think like if you if you have a CFO a little bit too early before you found your product fit, I think that, um, I mean, part of the job is kind of like to look th- uh, around corners to see if there are any risks. Uh, and if you, if you have that person on board before you, uh, it too early, I think you can um, risk having someone just saying to you how scary things can be instead of kind of breaking through the glass and getting there and just get the product out there. So I, I think it, it might be worth uh, maybe waiting, uh, but it, it also depends on the role, right? Uh, right. If you have a, a very um, operative CFO who's close to the business, helping you to find that first money you need, uh, building the business and kind of like talking to customers as well, I think that could be much sooner than Right. If we go back in your career, so we, we understood that you had worked, you know, obviously now for a relatively very big company here and the CFO here, but you also worked for some smaller ones. If we start with the small ones as a CFO there, like what was your role? How was it defined? 
it was uh, it was very broad, uh, so much much broader. I think that goes for all executive roles, like in a startup, is that you're doing much more everything. You're having a lot of hats on, and you're kind of like trying to hold things together uh, till the time that you actually can recruit more people and having someone else uh, on board, which can do that much better than yourself. Um, <clears throat> so, for instance, myself, I was. Uh, uh, very much involved in marketing. Um, I was covering up for HR before we had that function. Um, I was very involved in product development and like in a lot of customer discussions as well. So it's kind of like when you are a small team, it's everyone on like on deck and wherever there is a, is a question and the management team needs to work really close to each other. So you help out with like different tasks uh, all over the place. So, I mean, you have to be very broad or uh, in your role then, yeah. So, uh, for instance, if you were a part of a product development discussion, what, what was your role there? Was, was it to you know, understand how you could work with pricing or was it to understand potential costs uh, in the development projects or yeah. what could it be? No, yeah, pricing definitely. And also taking like the commercial product side of it. So like what's the potential of this? What would it cost for us to um, develop such feature? And what do we see? We can actually sell it to the market to see some kind of like cost benefits analysis of that as well, uh, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's also funny that you mentioned uh, HR at the few companies where I've worked that were started off smaller. It always seemed that, uh, call it the finance team, somehow inherited the HR function. Is that normal? Or? I, I presume so. I mean, like certain tasks will be up to each and every manager. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need someone to uh, make sure that someone holds on to the employee contracts to like uh, keep track that everyone gets paid. Uh, and since payroll typically sits with finance in the beginning, then it's kind of like natural that HR just follows along. But uh, I don't think that's ideal. Uh, but... Uh, but I mean, in the beginning, before you actually have someone more specialized to look into that, that's maybe where it uh, can sit. Yeah. So if there are some uh, accountants here or some finance managers that are aspiring CFOs uh, and they might end up at a bigger or smaller company, what would you say is, you know, make sure you master these skill sets because anything can be thrown at you, but you, you got to figure out these three things. I think like if, if you're aspiring to be a CFO, I mean, you need to have the technical skill set that kind of like goes without saying you, I mean, you have to have an understanding of like financial analysis and you must be able to read a P&L and a balance sheet because you will be responsible of that, right? So like the technical skills are uh, a must have, which uh, it goes without saying maybe. I um I don't know my top three can I can I make it a top five instead is Absolutely. that right even better right. Yes. even better <laughs> <laughs> I love lists so that's yeah great <laughs> I would say like um, first thing is uh, maybe like to to build a great team. Um, to understand, like, uh, just as I said, like with the management team, to see where you have gaps, to look at yourself and see, like, where do I come from? So me personally, I have a background in corporate finance. I was used to seeing a lot of business plans and understanding, like, drivers of business values. I'm not that strong in accounting, for instance. So I will need a, a strong accounting manager taking care of that and can be quite self-sufficient. So I'm very lucky to have that. So kind of like building that winning team and understand like who you need to complement your own profile. Right. Second of all, I would say um, understand operations. 
So like if you are going to be a successful CFO, you can't just sit hide in the in the nice cozy uh, finance corner and move numbers in your P&L or balance sheet. You need to really be out there, uh, understand how the business works, how things interact and uh, uh how things works because otherwise you will never be able to i mean work with efficiencies or like judge if something is successful or not so that's right. that's uh, that's really important as well nobody appreciates uh, a cfo coming down to the sales floor and be like hey guys i I think I looked in the Excel sheet. We should just increase prices ten percent without having any idea of what's happening out there. <laughs> no, exactly. So you need to like be active in in, uh, in customer uh, discussions to understand like what's the customer view of this as well. So you can't just sit hide in your in your corner. Number three, yeah, uh, I think this this might go for all executive roles as well. I think you need to be able to zoom in and out. Um, so really zoom into a problem and understand like the the root of it and what it is, but also like equally important to zoom out uh, to say like what is the bigger view here? What's the story of this? Uh, where are we heading right now? So you, you you kind of like need to go up and down that elevator and understand uh, look both from the detail level and also from like a helicopter view as well. Uh, four um, technology understanding technology. Um, so not, I don't say that you have to be a master of a specific software, even though I know a lot of uh, South CFOs tend to like the same kind of software, uh, but rather kind of um, technology and understand how technology works um, to provide us kind of like with the data we need to evaluate how the business is doing. So you need to kind of like set up a vision and understand uh, a bit of that as well. If you are scaling, you can't just have things on, on post-its and having things manual. You need to have some kind of a system or technology um, helping you uh, to achieve some scale as well. And, and maybe this should, shouldn't be uh, the final one on my list, but uh, uh, ethics and integrity. I think that's really important, especially for a CFO. So like really building the trust, especially with the, with the CEO and the board. Um, and also maybe just like with the uh, uh, an HR leader or a CHRO, you will get a lot of information about like financial information and also about employees, which you just can't go around gossiping about in the in the lunch break or uh, <laughs> in the pub afterwards. So that's I mean you need to have a lot of integrity as well. And and you mentioned the relation to the CEO, and I think. We have seen, especially when, when you raise funds and so on, it seems to be a very intimate relation between the CEO and the CFO. So could you dig a little bit deeper into to that relation and, and uh, how you interact with each other? No, I think that's very important as well. It's just, um, I, of course, I mean, the relationship to a manager is, is important to everyone, but I think like the CFO, CEO is maybe uh, the most crucial one. So... Uh, you have to have a lot of trust and I need to be able to say to my CEO, um, like flag whenever there is an issue, be very like almost blunt where where I see things going. Uh, and I need to understand that he or she won't throw me under the bus for being this honest and upright, uh, honest with him. Um, so I think that's, that's really, really important. And I think also that goes for the board. Uh, but of course, the CEO you are interacting with I don't know, three to four times a day at least. Um, so there's a very uh, like close link, of course, uh, in between there. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of the other 
people in the management team, the CPO or the, um, the VP of sales and so on, they, they might report what they have done and, and you know, and the CEO might say that we, we need to increase sales or when do we release that product? It's, it's more from the CEO to the team, but you can come to the CEO with, you know, some black and white numbers and say, okay, we need to act on that. So it's you giving sort of that, that to the CEO and, and then he or she needs to act. No, exactly. Exactly. And as I said before, so like the part of the job is to see whenever there is a, a risk or uh, something scary in the future, which we need to avoid already. So that's kind of like you have to be uh, really honest on what you see and so on. But yeah. yeah. Have you ever been hesitant to come with some figures that you found and show to the CEO because... Ooh, you know, spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say hesitant, but I mean it's never nice to deliver like a poor result or we're we doing it, we're not meeting targets mm. in any area. Yeah. I mean that's never a nice uh, thing to do, but but rather do it upfront. Yeah. I mean if you are trying to hide things under the rug somewhere, it always will blow up later, and you just uh, <clears throat> VP sales, VP sales. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I mean like you, the only thing you will do is actually to. Uh, uh, destroy that trust. So I'd rather just put it out there and live with it uh, than to try to fix things or um, mask things or so on. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about some other things that, that might also be important for a CFO, and, and that is to communicate, you know, all of these KPIs and, you know, what we are trying to achieve to the, to the organization, to everyone, no matter what role you have, and do that in sometimes maybe a easily consumed way or so because you have all of these graphs and numbers and stuff so how do you make that you know so it's easier to uh, digest no but i agree and i think that's uh that's a little bit what i was referring to be able to zoom out to see like not getting stuck in all the detailed numbers but kind of like take a step back and see where are we and what does this mean uh, like on a more general level uh, but I'm, I'm really happy uh, with having a very strong CEO who is financially uh, trained as well. Mm. So, I mean, Eric knows the, the numbers and uh, uh, have been, uh, has a background in, in finance as well. So it's uh, uh, that making my job quite, quite, quite much easier. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, I can help him with details and if there are any um, nuances or uh, backup information to it but uh, but I, I'm lucky to have a CEO which is uh, very skilled when it comes to financial numbers as well okay so what what three KPIs does can people relate to the most uh, I mean no matter what you work with if you work with sales marketing product development uh, when you do your monthly presentation what what sort of really hits the, the floor I'd say like can we can we guess can we guess first <laughs> no sure go for it uh, ARR Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's NRR or churn, but something, you know, from that perspective. And I guess you have display of some kind of, you know, growth numbers, you know, from from one period to another. Those are my three guesses. Yeah, that's uh, very close to what I was going to say. I was going to say ARR growth, uh, to say like the... Uh, um, where the, the overall ARR is going. That's our number one most important metric. Um, and churn, I would say actually net retention to see like how the existing customer base is growing. So that will take into consideration uh, churn as well. Uh, and number three this year, I would definitely say um, cash flow. Okay. Um, since, I mean, uh, as, as 
more or less every SaaS companies are tilting over to profitability. So are so are we, and we are uh, keeping a close eye on on cash flow as well. So that would be my my top three. Yeah, yeah. And we also keep a, a close eye on cash flow just to make sure we can pay ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So you don't need a CFO then. <laughs> we probably need one. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My News Desk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My News Desk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. Tell us, like, at what point, at what ARR level did you join Quinix? Okay, so when I joined Quinix back in 2018, we were around uh, 140 people. We hadn't launched in 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 the US then and uh, didn't have operations in Australia. So we were much like an, a European uh, business. And we were at around 15 million uh, euros in ARR. 15 million. Okay. So yep. walk us through a little bit higher level, like what your role was then and how it has evolved a little bit to what you predominantly focus on today. Yeah. So as I said, like the, uh, the company back then was much more a European uh, business. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my team to start with was uh, much smaller than what I have today. Uh, so that also meant that I was very much doing uh, controlling parts, especially myself. So a lot of hands-on forecasting, like owning the financial model and understanding like where the business is going. Um, my second week at Quenix, uh, I was informed that we are doing uh, a fundraise. Uh, so I, um, day 13 or 14, started to build a new financial model, um, uh, crafting a new business plan and meetings with investors to sell that, uh, that growth story. And that was the money which we took in to both build some new product functionalities, but also to launch in the US. So that was... Um, uh, that was my start, like hit the hit the ground running. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting start. Yeah, and then I think like um, I've been we've been like developing things, especially in the finance team, in like in phases. So it's uh, there were a lot of things we needed to develop and really to set us up for scale. Uh, but it, it it you could you can't change like everything overnight. So we started with like the subscription tool to uh, to get a better view of the ARR and to really like you know nail down on this metric. Um, then we looked into like accounting and the whole ERP setup. Um, and like you, you have to take things in, in, in phases because otherwise like yeah, you won't uh, have anything completed at the end of the day. So I have a question on that. Uh, I know that when, when CEOs uh, of a certain size, not necessarily the biggest ones because they already have that established, but of a certain size scale up when they hire uh, an outside or external VP sales or CRO, I've seen that some of the standard questions they shoot him or her is like, what is your preferred tech stack? They expect that new sales leader to be able to come in and say like, well, I usually work with Salesforce. I usually work with Gong or whatever it is. Like, I don't want to drop any names here. All but I guess I already did. But is that also an expectation on CFOs? You got to have 
an idea of how you want your financial tech setup to look? Like, do you need to know that? Or is it somebody else that needs to know that? I would say like, there's no one else like uh, giving me advice that I have a strong preference for this. So I've always been able to kind of like set that agenda on, you know, myself. But of course, you need to kind of like understand the business you work in and like what's, what's actually fitting into the whole environment and the ecosystem we're using with different systems here to make sure you don't uh, create an island which doesn't communicate with other systems, of course. Uh, but but it's all it's always been kind of like up to me to kind of like decide and to to stand by that choice um, at the end of the day as well. You said earlier that you started with quite a small team. Now I presume it's bigger. So can you tell us who's in your team today? Yes, um, as I mentioned before, I have uh, a very strong accounting manager, and she's also having two diet reports. So we are three people in accounting. I have two controllers: one financial controller and one business controller. Uh, and then I have three people in revenue uh, control. So they are taking care of everything which has to do with uh, invoicing customers, uh, dunning, uh, making sure customer gets answers to every finance-related questions they might have, uh, and also reporting of ARR metrics. Uh, and I also have a finance systems manager, so looking after our finance tech stack. Okay. I have another question related to this to a certain extent, I suppose. You have your team and obviously very close and tight relationship with the CEO. Who would you say in the remaining management team, C-level suite, is your closest ally and why? Um, um, It's hard to pick one, to be honest, but I work a lot with our CHRO. Um, because uh, like finance and HR do have a lot of things uh, we need to interact with. And also, I mean, we're sharing the same kind of like cost center just to start with. But CRHRO and I, we work really close, especially when it comes to recruitment and cost allocations in the business. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also COO. Um, So uh, our COO is, is the main... A person signing new uh, agreements with customers and whenever there is a question on if we can take on this risk or if there's anything like finance related I'm, I work really close with him as well. Okay that actually surprises me a little bit uh, it just shows how much I don't know like I could have bet like uh, Thomas headphones that you would say the CRO but that's not the case. Although I guess they're still very important, but you didn't go there first. The CRO, yes, as well. Uh, but um, I mean, I work really close with the RevOps. So right. I would say maybe, I mean, um, the part uh, of understanding where we're going to end on the next quarters, what's the like the outlook, what's the pipeline development, and also uh, I typically uh, have those discussions also with the RevOps. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not saying I'm not interacting with the CRO a lot, but just <laughs> if I was only allowed to pick one or two, I would I would say actually CHRO and COO first. Yeah, yeah. So don't be sad, Mr. CRO or Mrs. CRO. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what what about in the future? Let's say you become double the size, triple the size. How will the CFO organization evolve then? Um, so I, I hope that we can have some scalability in the finance organization. So, so, so far we are not scaling up as many people as we are scaling up ARR to say. I mean, we are trying to be more and more efficient and you can do that by, by developing your, your tech stack and being more efficient when you work. Um, I think like when, when we grow, we will need maybe looking into some, some areas which we haven't uh, so far. I'm thinking about... 
maybe more more support, especially around like um, uh, uh, controllers. So more business controllers supporting different parts of the of the organization, as. Uh, that need is kind of like increasing when you're adding on more budget owners in the organization as well. But also like new functions such as treasury, uh, which we don't have today. And that's not an area which I would prioritize um, where we stand today. Okay, super stupid question here. Uh, what does the controllers do? So we typically like split that between financial controller and business controller. Uh, and they work, of course, very tightly together. But financial controller is usually like a link between the uh, reporting and the accounting team. So usually a person which is quite skilled in accounting. So uh, he or she, in my case, it's a she, um, goes through the numbers and making sure if there are any um variances versus the forecast to explain those and to understand that everything is just tagged and coded as it should be. Um, and then the business controller is looking a little bit more to the future. Um, so I mentioned working really close with RevOps, for instance, uh, to understand like what's the pipeline, what's the conversion rate right now, what can we expect to sell, what would that mean in terms of our forecast, um, how is the professional service uh, doing right now, uh, uh, like and, and be very close to like forward-looking metrics and uh, building forecasts. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Speaking about uh, the the future and uh, what might be ahead here, and I think this is probably a journey that at least some C CFOs go through. Uh, at some point, and I know you guys have done it. There's been some acquisitions. You've picked up other businesses. To what extent is the CFO involved here? Like, and I, I can imagine that obviously you have to make sure there's enough money and this is going to work yet. But like, what does it really do? Like, are you the driving force here or what's your role? No, but of course, I mean, you have to make sure you have the funding. So right. either you have it on your bank account or you go out and look for funding. So you raise equity or debt uh, to finance the acquisition, of course. Uh, but I mean, like I, I have a background in M&A as well. So I was quite active. Quinix have done uh, two acquisitions since I joined. Um, I was very involved in like driving the uh, um, negotiations around the share purchase agreement and, and uh, valuation uh, of the businesses. And always we do a, like a financial due diligence and a tax due diligence on the, on the uh, businesses we acquired. Uh, but that is typically done by an external party. Um, but uh, I was like the one driving that, uh, that work stream. Okay. Uh, and for everybody listening here uh, to this episode, if they're about to, to hire their first CFO or, or, you know, maybe go from an accountant and now need to add this muscle to the team, what would be your top three tips or advice to that hiring CEO? Like you need to think about these things to make sure you get the right person. I think we, we already mentioned like the relationship to the CEO. So, I mean, take the candidate out for dinner and make sure that you actually uh, trust and can work really closely with that person. That, I mean, it's, uh, it's a good match because it's, uh, it is an important relationship to get in place. Um, and also, I, we touched on that previously, but, but look at what, what type of CFO do you need? Uh, do you need someone who's really strong in accounting and who will be making sure you are compliant and everything in good quality in a timely manner all the time? Or do you need someone who's more coming from a, uh, 
another background which is more understanding the drivers of your business building business plans and being more like operational so i would say that's it's a little bit depending on what you need uh in your cfo so that's uh have a think through what you what you actually need uh and what's the skills that you have in your organization already right all right thank you for those tips so uh before we end today i would like to ask you some questions and first what's in the future for for quinix here the next coming years uh, I must say U.S. Okay. Um, so uh, we have a really good traction right now in the U.S. But I mean, since it's such a big market, I feel like we're only kind of dipping the toes uh, into an ocean. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the continued journey uh, on the U.S. market. And we're also launching some new uh, product features, especially like joining together the acquisitions uh, uh, in a new product offering. So that's really exciting how that is uh, coming alive as well. Have you moved over parts of the management team or what does that look like? Yeah, we have. I mean, so both um, our CRO and also uh, head of operations have been over in Boston and kind of like starting up things. Uh, and currently we have our COO is uh, sitting in, in Boston. Okay, cool. Is there anything particular that you are looking for right now? We have a great community listening, so here's your chance to make a shout out. I mean, we always look at for for talented people. Uh, so I would say, especially like R and D, so like encoding. Um, so that's uh, that's always on the uh, on the search. Okay, cool. And is there anyone that uh, would make you extra excited if we could get on the show? Maybe a financial person or someone totally different? Yeah, I must say you already have a great crowd lined up for the digital event. So it's it's hard to add so many new names to this list. But uh, uh, I mean, there is a, a guy called Ben Murray. Uh, he's calling himself the sauce CFO. And he's kind of like the go-to person for any anyone interested in sauce metrics and to understand like what what do they actually tell us. Um, so so Ben, I can I can warmly recommend. Um, and, and also since AI is uh, such a hot topic for, for everyone right now, if you want to have a, an episode on AI, I can warmly recommend you to speak to our CTO, Berend Berendsen, because um, he knows everything there is to know about AI and a bit more. Wow. And okay. also started his... Uh, <laughs> is he hooked into the mainframe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he also started a, um, a co-founded a AI business uh, a couple of years back. So okay. despite being a, a very nice guy, he's also extremely talented, yes. Okay. Right. Nice and talented. We like that. <clears throat> uh, I think we have good news for you then, Marie, because uh, at least one of these names that you dropped here will appear at uh, Sassius Digital. So wow. that's exciting. And mm. the name starts with a B and ends with an N. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward. No, that's really exciting. I think he, uh, he has a lot of uh, good insights. So yeah, looking forward. Awesome. It was great having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and insights. It's much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, see you around. Take care. Daniel, what was your takeaway from the episode today? It's a very pleasant uh, conversation with Marie, al always is. And I, I certainly learned uh, quite, quite a few things. One of them is obviously that the CFO role is uh, much broader than you might think, as we could hear uh, from this episode here in the conversation with Marie. It's like, depending on at what stage you join, you could do so many different things. So that, that was interesting to hear. So you have to be very, very flexible and very creative to be able to, to, to survive this type of a journey. 
I think the other thing that uh, stuck with me a little bit is, and I don't think in any way that anybody is deceiving or, or hiding or anything like that, but the CFO role needs to be super blunt at all times. It's almost like it's the alarm bells of the entire organization. Mm. You can't sugarcoat anything and that requires that you know, you're on top of things, but also that you can communicate things swiftly in an appropriate way. And if you flip that, I also feel that the CFO sounds to me at least that if it's at one end the alarm bell, it's also at the other end somehow the opportunity bell. Like you see in the numbers that, you know, we have opportunities to do more or to invest and so on. So you really need, if you're a founder or a CEO or some kind of a leader here, you need to have that strong CFO with you that can help you make sound decisions based on all these data points that I catch. So I think that was that was interesting to hear. What about you, Thomas? No, but I think it's interesting the importance of the relation in between the CFO and the CEO. And also that that was the first thing she talked about when it was the criteria of you choosing a CFO. Uh, it was even more important than you know the exact skill set or anything that you feel that you have that trust and you have a relationship that you can you know be straight up with what's needed to be done and uh, and so moving forward. So I think that's and, and it's also interesting to to hear the CFO role in all kinds of different areas such as product development. You know not only coming with you know, the li- limitations, but also looking at the opportunities that there might be with certain choices that you do in your product development. Also interesting to hear about. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. And if you're interested in, in topics like this, uh, like we said here in the beginning, sassiestdigital2023.com, uh, that's where you go to sign up for the main event this fall. And there's going to be a lot of topics around this financial planning, cash flow management. As you heard, we're going to have uh, Ben on the show. So if you like this, join us there and there will be some goodies for you guys over there as well. Absolutely. And you can always get in contact with us by emailing contact at sassiest.com and we respond to everyone that sends us an email. You can also reach out to me and Daniel on LinkedIn. And if you're not already, if you're working for a European B2B SaaS company, why not join the conversations we have in the Slack channel? Uh, You can also take part of all the articles and content that are created by the community. You just head over to sassiest.com and you can find all the information you need and all the links to the networks and so there. Awesome. All right. Until next time, see you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye.